Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from Lead Pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. Well, good morning, church. Happy 10th day of Christmas, or should I say Mary? Let's go with Mary 10th day of Christmas. And oh yeah, by the way, happy 2021. Um, glad you have joined us this morning and uh, looking forward to uh, a great year of us serving the Lord uh, together and uh, great adventures that he has in store that we don't know about as of yet. When uh, last week in the message that I brought, we looked at the revelation that Jesus Christ gave to John while John was exiled on the Isle of Patmos. I don't know if you are aware of that, but he had been exiled on this island by the ruling uh, government, uh, Roman authorities of the time, just kind of been dropped off there. So John was isolated completely from people. He was isolated from the church. And in John's isolation, Jesus came to him to reveal something incredible, Now, church, I know that right now there are moments when we feel isolated from one another. We feel kind of cut off at times. And we weren't made for that. John wasn't made for that. But here's the the reality. That same Jesus that came and revealed himself and his glory and his wonder to the apostle John, he wants to do the same thing for you and for me. Even in our isolation, he wants us to know him. He wants to, to show us something about himself. Last week, I ended the message by reading uh, from the, the ending of the book of Revelation, that great vision that Jesus gave John of his uh, return and establishment of his eternal kingdom where his rule and reign uh, will be forever in a newly created heaven and on a newly created earth. And it's just this beautiful, incredible vision of what that will look like and, and how we as his children and, and people will reign with him forever and ever. And during that time when I was preparing that message, my mind got captivated, just kind of uh, drawn into Revelation chapter 21 and verse 5. And I want to read that to you this morning. If you have your Bibles, you may want to open them to Revelation chapter 21, verse 5. I'm just going to read that one verse from that passage. And Jesus speaking to John, communicating through uh, an angel, it says this, verse 5. And he who was seated on the throne said, and that was Jesus, behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write down this, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Jesus says, my word that I'm giving you, that I'm going to be making all things new, you can take it to the bank, you can, you can write it down, you can completely count on it. Now, as we step into this new year, I, I was very encouraged by that thought, that in 2021, Jesus is making all things new as well. That's, that's the future for God's people. And I especially like to think about that in the condition in which we, we find ourselves. Because I recall that Jesus, Jesus does his best work through his people sometimes when we're in our worst possible condition. 
I was reminded of Psalm 113. It says this, the Lord lifts up the poor from the dirt and he takes the helpless from the ashes. Now, I'm not sure how you felt about 2020, but so much of it, there was a sense of helplessness. I remember having many conversations with people who just felt like we were living in the ashes of that year and we needed the Lord to lift us out of that condition. One of the things that I've been trying to keep up with and, and reading uh, about are shifts that are occurring in the church globally because of the pandemic, but especially I've been trying to keep up with shifts that are taking place in the church and in our own nation. Some churches are experiencing significant loss, people leaving uh, churches, people swapping churches. Uh, many pastors write about being discouraged by all this, but uh, there have been many times when those who have been called to lead God's people have faced discouragement, and God always faithfully delivers. I think about the time when God used the, the prophet Micah to encourage King Hezekiah, who later went on to lead God's people into a great season of revival. In Micah chapter 4, verse 7, we read about God's people. God, speaking through the prophet, said of his people, they are crippled and far from home, but I will make a new beginning with those who were left. See, God is in the, the new beginning business. So here's what I want us to think of as this new year has begun. Where do we begin in this new year? How, how do we step into what the Lord is preparing for us in this new year? How do we, how do we join him? And, and I want us to do that so we're not like that guy who back in January of 2020 made the New Year's resolution to lose 15 pounds, and right now today he's only 20 pounds away from that. Terry Watkins gave me that one, by the way. So how do we begin in, in 2021 in a manner that really readies us to experience all of God's transforming power. Well, I want to use the word begin kind of as an acrostic so that we can think about how to begin anew with God. So I want to start with the letter B. And here's what B stands for in my mind. B means I've got to break the bondage of blame. If I want to see change come, if I want to see something new happen, a, a new beginning in my life, I've got to start blaming, stop blaming, excuse me, other people for the mess I'm in. I've got to stop seeing myself as just a victim of the circumstances that I'm in. Now, 2020 was a lot of things, but one of the things that I saw it become, it became a year of blame, blaming everything. Now, please, please hear me say this before we go further. I know that other people can harm you. Other people's decisions can scar you physically, emotionally. But I believe the only person who can ruin your life is you. You get to choose how you respond to what others do to you. And you've, you've got choices. God, God's word tells us there's a beginning point. And that beginning point is to admit where the choices I have made have been wrong. Proverbs 28, 13 says this, a man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. See, you and I, we've got, we've got our own stuff and we've got to own our own stuff before we ever get to a new beginning. In that passage in verse 13, the word that's translated as mistakes in the Hebrew is the word peshah. 
And it, it, it's also translated in other places as transgressions or, or sins, but it has as a root uh, in, its, in its meaning rebellious action. In Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 3, the prophet gave this message. It says, like a farmer breaking up hard, unplowed ground, you must break your rebellious will and make a new beginning. Friends, it's hard for us to admit when we have caused something, when we we have, have an error, when we've made a mistake, when we've sinned. And oftentimes it's because we were so defiant in our attitude when we were doing it. We were acting as if there was no way that we could be wrong. And so when we get to the end of something like that, it's just so much easier for us to try to attach blame to others defiantly. And that's got to be broken in us if we want to experience a new beginning. And it's hard because we live in a blame-saturated society. We, we blame the environment. We blame the government. We blame the economy. We blame our parents. We blame the alignment of the stars. We blame this pandemic. It's always somebody else's or something else's fault. But God's word so often tells us that we make our own mess. There are many, many specific ways God's word points that out and ways that often lead to failures in our life. I just want to point out three very, very quickly that I have personally experienced. Um, Proverbs 27, 12 says this, a sensible man watches out for problems ahead and prepares to meet them. The simpleton never looks and suffers the consequences. I believe that what that verse is saying to us is that we continue to fail when we fail to plan ahead. We continue to fail when we fail to plan ahead. Now, you can go read about this later on today in Genesis uh, chapter 6 and and chapter 7. It's the the story of Noah. And here's here's a question I want to ask you. Was it raining when Noah started building the ark? Well, you can go there and look, but I'll, I'll tell you. The answer is no. It actually took Noah 120 years to build the ark. If he had waited till it started raining, he'd have never gotten it done. In fact, he'd have drowned. Noah planned ahead. God gave him a vision, and Noah planned ahead and began work. Jesus speaks of planning ahead. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus makes this incredible statement of what it takes to follow him. He says, you've got to count the cross, and you've got to take up your cross and follow him. And there's a cost involved with that. And Jesus says you need to plan for it. And then Jesus gives kind of two uh, parables of what that could look like. He first compares it to a guy who starts to build a tower but runs out of money for the the project because he he failed to plan ahead. Secondly, Jesus tells this brief story about a king who goes into battle, loses the battle because he didn't count the number of soldiers and resources he had compared to the other army's resources. Friends, we we will continue to fail as long as we fail to plan ahead. Another place in God's word points to uh, a way that we fail significantly continually. Proverbs 15, chapter 15, verse 22 says this. Plans fail without good advice, but they succeed with the advice of many others. Now, here's what I think God is pointing out in that, that verse is that we continue to fail when we fail to listen to others. We, we continue that. Now, what, what do you think it is primarily that keeps maybe you from heeding God's advice through other people, other people's advice? 
Well, I've discovered in me and in others around me that it's primarily pride. And God's word tells us that that always leads to our undoing. It just undoes us in so many ways. The truth is we'll never get anywhere else if we're convinced ourselves already that, hey, I've already arrived. We just won't move forward. Have you ever heard that old saying that goes like this? He who gets too big for his britches gets exposed in the end. You don't want to get exposed in the end, friends. Proverbs 16 tells us that one of the things that's true about about pride is it always goes before a fall. It, it, It comes before we find ourselves in great trouble. A third warning that God's word gives us on how we set ourselves up for failure so often is in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 10. It says, if you give up when trouble comes, it shows that you are weak. Here God is telling us that we continue to fail when we fail to persevere. You know, we just give up. So often we, we just quit too soon. When, when trying times come, sometimes we just quit trying and Oftentimes, we, we quit when success is just, just right around the, the corner. I want to share with you a, a, a few uh, stories of people who were highly successful now, but they weren't to start with. I don't know if you recognize the name Sir James Dyson, uh, but over a course of 15 years, James Dyson failed 5,126 times to create a bagless vacuum cleaning system. But once he did, he stuck with it. It led to a net worth of over $4 billion. I don't know if you know this about Steven Spielberg, but two times Steven Spielberg made application to attend the University of Southern California School of the Cinematic Arts, and they rejected Steven Spielberg. Blows my mind. Walt Disney, one of his earliest jobs was he worked at a newspaper, and one of the editors at a newspaper told Walt Disney, he said, you lack imagination and you never have any good ideas. I I just, I'm thinking, wonder if that guy could see things now, what he would think. Uh, J.K. Rowling, the one who... uh, created the Harry Potter empire. Uh, She was divorced. She was a single mother. She was depressed. Uh, She was trying to make ends meet. And it was out of that that she came to learn many things. And she said this about failing. And I think it's just a great quote. She said this, it's impossible to live without failing at something unless you live so cautiously that you might as well not have lived at all, in which case, you fail by default. Now, we know that saying that goes, if at first you don't succeed, you can finish it there at home. Reality would tell us that if at first you don't succeed, you're just normal. It's just part of our our human experience. And and that's gonna be true for all of us. We're not gonna succeed the first time, probably hardly ever. Friends, God doesn't want us to continue making excuses. We've got to break the blame and that we're break, break the bondage of blame that we're in. Rick Warren said something that people that, that I that I love. He said that people who are very good, 
at making excuses or rarely good at anything else because they waste all their energy thinking up excuses for why they can't do what they're supposed to do. Break that bondage of blame in your life if you want to begin anew. Then I want us to think about the E in begin. And for me, that means examine what remains. Examine what remains. Now, 2020 had been a a tough year, but it did not take everything from you. You still have many, many God-given resources. And you need to take some time to, to evaluate it all. If 2020 took away from you financially, you gotta, you got to make an honest assessment of what remains. If it took from you relationally, you've got to look at the relationships that you still have. Invest in those. You need to examine all of your life. You still have so much. You still have gifts and talents. You still have so many wonderful experiences, things that, that you're good at. And, and one of the things that you gained in 2020 that you never had before were new experiences. None of us had ever experienced a global pandemic before. Friends, God will never waste your experiences, especially the painful ones. He wants you and I to learn from them, to build on them, to bless others out of them. Galatians chapter 3 verse 4 asks some great questions. Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? Please don't let the learning from the painful experiences be for nothing. God has incredible plans to utilize them to bless you and bless others through you. But you're going to have to take some time to look back over, over the year, to actually see the blessings in the midst of the mess. Because the Lord your God, he has been working all around you. He's been working in you. And if you let him, he'll work through you. But you're going to have to ask some deep, soul-searching questions. You're going to have to engage um, thoughtfully, take some time to do this. Ask yourselves questions like, what has God taught me this past year? Or maybe this last month? Or maybe just this past week? That ought to be a regular question. What What am I hearing God say to me in this experience? I need to keep up with those things. You need to ask yourself, what do you have going for you? Do you have your health? Do you, do you have freedom? Do you have Jesus? Do you have a church family? Do you have a group of devoted friends like a small group? And if you don't have some of those things, you need to ask, how can I find them? What do I need to do to, to in, engage them? I mean, for instance, if you feel friendless, and you need a friend, maybe, maybe your plan of action needs to be, I'm going to start befriending others. I'm going to start acting and living as a friend would act to others. You need to examine what you have that remains. Examine all the experiences. And, and let me add just kind of one more thing here about examining your experiences. Always examine your experiences in the light of God's truth. Because not all experiences are created equally. Some experiences can be built on kind of shaky ground. Some of the experiences you've had or have been built on lies. So when you start examining your experiences, especially the ones that you come across that are painful, you're going to find out that not everything you've seen, not everything you've heard is rooted in truth. 
See, you and I can have false memories. The evil one can create those. You and I can believe false things. For instance, do people ever tell you things that you later find out aren't true? Yeah. Sometimes those thoughts get stuck in your memory banks. And, and later on, you can't really discern whether they're true or not if you're not careful. Let me ask another way. Have, have people ever said something about you that wasn't true? Maybe they said it to you about you and it wasn't true. Maybe they blamed you for their actions. Maybe they blamed you for their bad behavior, telling you that you caused them to respond harshly to you or maybe even violently to you. Friends, those are lies. And, and, and oh, by the way, much of what you read on the internet and on social media, so much of it's half-truths. So much of it is rooted in lies, facts, taken out of context for the purpose. You know, they, they get massaged then, and they're purposely shifted for the purpose of deception. You know, we live in a world today where there's this thing called virtual reality. I could make you see all kinds of things that aren't true. Uh, if you saw the movie Forrest Gump, I remember watching that movie. Uh, and they, there were these scenes where uh, Forrest shook hands with President Kennedy. He taught Elvis how to dance. He played ping pong against the, the Chinese. None, none of that was true. You know, today, just because you see something with your eyes does not always make it true. Because you experience something doesn't always make it true. You can experience something that, that is, is related to a, a lie. That's why you can't just build your life on the experiences without just kind of viewing those experiences through the word of God because that's the only thing that's totally true. It's the only thing that's unchanging. Yes, you need to examine your experiences, but always, always, please do it through the lens of the truth of God's word. The G in begin for me is Get going in faith. Get going in faith. Don't just sit on your hands. It, it means you, you need to live with some, some expectation that, that things are going to change. In Matthew chapter 9, we have this story of two blind men. And Jesus has been in this house. He's healed this little girl. And they hear Jesus is in there and they're waiting for him. And when Jesus comes out of the house, uh, the, it, the scripture tells us in Matthew chapter 9 that they start following Jesus and they're hollering behind him, Son of David, have mercy on us. And they, they follow Jesus right into the house where Jesus is staying. Jesus doesn't stop. He just goes on into the house where he's staying. And when, when these men follow him into the house, Jesus turns to them and says, do you believe I can make you see? And they said, yes, Lord, we, we believe this. And then in Matthew chapter 9, verse 29, Jesus says this. He says, it shall be done for you according to your faith. It shall be done for you according to your faith. Jesus is saying something that is just true in our relationship with him. We often get what we expect. What are you expecting in 2021? Are you expecting breakthrough? Are you expecting things to be different? Are you expecting things to be different in your marriage? 
Are you expecting things to be different in your parenting and in your workplace? Are you, are you expecting things to get better in 2021? Or is your mind set that it's just going to be another wretched year, a lousy, depressing, heartbreaking year? Because so often, we get out of life what we expect. Jesus says, it shall be done according to your faith. So here's a question. Are you expecting more? Are you expecting more of yourself? Are you expecting that God wants to do immeasurably more than you can even ask or imagine? That's what Paul told the church at Ephesus, that God wants to do. Start expecting more. That's really a foundational principle of of faith. And you're never going to do that as long as you keep kind of throwing yourself that same old pity party. You've got to stop rehearsing everything that's gone wrong, what, everything that went wrong in 2020. You've you got to you know, spend your time out, out of regretting. You've you got to quit just engaging that. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 and 23 tells us this. So we must continue to come to him, speaking of Jesus, we must continue to come to him with a sincere heart and a strong faith. We must continue to hold firmly to our declaration of faith. When was the last time you made a declaration of faith? First of all, to yourself. Told yourself, here's what I believe about Jesus. And then told someone else what you believe about Jesus and life in him. When's the last time you've made a a, a declaration like that? Said, said what you believe about Jesus out loud so even all the demons of hell can hear what you believe because they can't read your mind. They can, they can observe your behavior and push your buttons, but they can't read your mind. Only the Lord God Almighty has the ability to examine and know the thoughts of intents of the human heart of every man, woman, boy, and girl. God can do that. He's the only one who can do that. And so Hebrews tells us we must continue to come to Jesus. It's not just something you do once. All throughout the year, you gotta continue to come to him. And you gotta do it from a sincere heart with a strong faith. And what that means is when when Satan brings up something from your past, you gotta come to Jesus with a strong faith that, that knows that he's forgiven you. When Satan comes to you and, you know, uh, you, you gotta know that Jesus has, has made you right with God in, in God's presence, that he's transforming you day by day. You gotta, you gotta know and trust that God knows the plans he has for you. The plans not, not for disaster, but for good. Plans to give you a future, to give you a, a, a hope. One of the great acts of declaring faith is setting goals and then telling somebody else what those goals are. Proverbs 16, 9 says this, we should make plans counting on God to direct us. Friends, seeking God in prayer and setting goals, that's an act of faith. It's, it's where we're putting our faith in action. Trusting, of course, that God will direct you. And it's not too late. If you haven't set some goals for 2021 yet, it's not too late to set some personal goals, family goals, financial goals, vocational goals, educational goals. What you've got to do is you've got to count on God 
to direct you. You seek him in prayer, you count on him to direct you, and then you make plans. And then you count on God to give you strength to carry those out. That is, that is an active faith. Often, I've been guilty of this, I know others have, often we don't act in faith and set goals because we're afraid what people might say if we fail, if we fail to reach our goals. Proverbs 29, 25 warns us that's a huge, dangerous trap. It says this, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. Friends, we've got to get going in faith if we want to see something new begin in our lives. Then the I in begin is this, ignite new thinking. You and I have to ignite new thinking. If we want to change, if we want to see our lives change, if, if you want that to happen, you've got to change your thoughts. If you want to begin anew, then you've got to renew the way you think. Proverbs, 20, uh, excuse me, Proverbs 4 verse 23 tells us this, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Here's God, God's word is telling us that the way we think will determine the way we feel and the way we feel will determine the way that we act. So if you want to change your actions, don't just keep trying to push the willpower button. That's what so many people do. They just try to push the willpower button over and over again. You don't just, you don't push the, that willpower button. What you've got to do is change your programming. Think of it this way, that you're out on a lake on a boat and the boat's a big, big lake and the boat has an autopilot mechanism on it and you set autopilot to go east. So that autopilot is constantly registering east, east, east. So the boat's going east. Well, at some point you decide, I want to change directions. I want to go west. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can come at that. One, of, one way that you can come at that is you can uh, get up off the seat and walk up to the steering wheel and turn that steering wheel 180 degrees. Now, you haven't changed the autopilot's message, east, 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 but now you're holding the wheel going west, west, west. One of the things that happens when you do that is there's tension. There's stress that's being created by the autopilot versus you. You can overpower the autopilot, of course. But eventually, you're going to get tired and, and, and let go of that tension and that stress. Friends, and you're just going to head back, to, you know, in the other direction. And that's exactly what happens anytime you try to change some aspect of your life just through simple willpower. You grab the steering wheel of your life, you try to force yourself to go the other way, but the whole time it feels unnatural because the autopilot if you would, is constantly pushing you back into that old direction. And here's what happens. As soon as you get weary, as soon as you get tired of that tension and that stress that you're facing, you let go. And you fall right back into old habits. You get, you get off that diet. You get back to the junk food. You pick that pack of cigarettes back up. You start smoking again. Because what you did was not, not change the programming you just try to grab something by willpower. But there's a better way. See, the biblical way to change your life is by changing the programming of that autopilot. See, th th that autopilot is where things need to be changed, and it's, it's the way you think. Changing the way you think will inevitably change the direction of your life. 
it will follow suit. If right now, the actions of your life come out as discouraged or depressed at, at this you know, juncture in, in the new year, it's most likely because you, your mind is just mulling over depressed and discouraging thoughts. And that's a choice. You, you don't have to primarily think those thoughts. If you're, if you're acting in fearful and, and worried ways, it's because you're primarily thinking fearful and worried thoughts. Now, please don't. Let me encourage you. Don't ever try to just change your feelings because you can't force your feelings to change. I know. And, and like me, some of you may need help in, in making that kind of change. You may need to do like I've done on more than one occasion and, and see a Christian counselor. You know, they've been helpful in my life to give me tools to help me get unstuck from a destructive mindset. A close friend may be able to help you do that. But what you need to do is ignite new thinking. It, it, it may mean, before you can even do that, you're gonna have to kind of kill some old patterns uh, of thinking. Thoughts that are only regret focus. Thoughts that are all about creating uh, shame in you. Uh, thoughts of mistakes or dumb decisions or failures that you've made. See, every time that your mind mulls over those things, you know, you just run those over, it just reinforces them. Friends, the, the, the past, it can't really hurt you anymore unless you choose to let it hurt you by clinging to that memory. See, the more you mull it over that memory, the more power you give it, the more life it has, and the more it can continue to hurt you. It, it, it can't hurt you until you give it permission. So you have to change your mind. You've got to let go of those painful, hurtful memories. You, you've got to release the shame, the guilt of bitterness. So how do you do that? Well, the, the Bible's very clear. It tells us the first thing we need to do is confess. You just start there. You, you, you tell God, God, I'm struggling with this. God, I, I can't seem to, to change this. Now, here's what I know many of you are going to say. Joe, I've done that. I've done that over and over and over again. And I'm, I'm tired of confessing. Well, that was just step one. God's word tells us that there's something else that has to take place to move you beyond that guilt and shame. You know, it's not just about continuing to resist. You've got to replace or they're going to keep coming back. You've got to not just resist, you've got to replace. You've got to, you've got to retrain your brain. You've got to renew uh, those pathways of your neurons, if you would. See, every time those thoughts come up, You've got to change the topic of conversation. Some of you are great, uh, skilled at changing conversations when they're going in the wrong direction. You've got to develop that skill in your, in your thinking, those thoughts that are going on in your head. You've got to ignite a new thought. So what's the best way to do that? Well, you need to pick up God's retraining manual. It's the word of God. Those life-changing words that God has for you. I want to take you to the book of Psalm for a minute. 
The, in, the book of Psalms is an incredible book. The book of Psalms expresses every human emotion known to man. And it's really a, a way to help us know, how do I take this emotion to God? How do I express it? How do I, how do I find healing in this? It's a great book uh, of healing. In Psalm chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it tells us what the pathway is. Psalms 1, starting in verse 1, says this, happy are those. It starts out by talking about those people who find happiness. It says, they find joy in obeying the law of the Lord. They study it day and night. And here's what they're like. They're like trees that grow beside a stream whose leaves do not dry up. These people, it says, succeed in everything they do. Now, I hope you notice the two outcomes. The two outcomes are happiness and success. And I've never met anybody who doesn't want those two things. I've never met anybody who says, no, my, my two New Year's resolutions for you know, 2021 are I want to be miserable and I want to be an utter failure. We, we don't do that. We all want to experience happiness in our lives. We want to succeed. And Psalms 1 tells us that the place to start is the Word of God, is learning to delight in God's Word, to find joy in it, to let it fill your mind. And the only way to do that is, is for you to read it and study it and, and spend time meditating on it, letting it kind of mull over in your mind. That's what meditation is. And God's word says that's the beginning of finding happiness and success in this life. And, and let me just, just speak to, to those of you who are um, champion worriers. If you are a person who can really worry, then you're, you're ahead of the rest of us. Because all worry is, is negative meditation. If, if you can worry, you can meditate on God's word. Uh, worry is just simply meditating on a negative thought. You're an expert at it if you're a worrier. You can, you can meditate on God's word. What, it's a matter of switching things out. Switching out what you're thinking of. Putting more of God's thoughts about your life in your life. So here's, here's a pathway. Take God's word and read it daily. Memorize small parts of it or maybe large parts of it, at least weekly. Study it regularly with others. Have discussions. That's one of the great ways for it to to find huge traction in your heart. And as Psalms 1 tells us, think about it day and night. Let it fill, fill your mind. And what will happen is the focus of your thinking will change. It it, it will happen. And then your life will begin to change. See, as you begin to comprehend what the God of creation says about you, how the God of creation sees you and loves you, man, that's when change takes place. That's where the power to begin something new comes from. Colossians chapter three, Paul was inspired to write these words. He says this, put on your new nature. If you're in Christ, you have a new nature. And be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Friends, ignite new thinking. Lastly, the N in begin for me is this. Neutralize my doubts by trusting God's power. I've got to neutralize my doubts 
And I do that by trusting in God's power. Some of you listening may have already begun to dismiss so much of what I have said for your life. You're, you're doubting. And if that's you, please, please hear me say this. So many of us build a box and put our life in it. We construct it ourselves, and so often that box is so small that there's no room for God in it. it it's too small for God, and we just shut ourselves up in it. And every now and then we get, we get tired of the way we're living, we get frustrated with the way things are coming out, you know, our outcomes. And so what we do is we try to power up and we try to jump really high and what happens is we bang our head on that ceiling of that box we built. And it feels like we get smacked down. And after we do that a few times, we just kind of give up because we, we think the power that I have is not changing anything. Friends, the way to break out of that is not to learn to jump higher and harder. It's not to rely on your own strength, but it's to begin anew by trusting in God's power. See, God's power cannot be contained in your little box. Your box is too small for the God of all creation. God's power is what we need in our lives for breakthrough to come. It's the only thing that can break through that ceiling that you keep banging your head on. In the Old Testament, God sent a message to his people through the prophet Zechariah. It was a time in the life of God's people when they had exhausted their own strength. They were about to give up. They, they were trying to rebuild. They were trying to rebuild their city. They were trying to rebuild their place of worship. They were trying, really, to rebuild their own lives. They wanted their life back. And they were exhausted from trying to accomplish it in their own strength. And God sent an angel to deliver this message to Zechariah to, to share with the people. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6 says this, You will not succeed by your own strength or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord all-powerful. See, experiencing breakthrough will not come by you trying harder. It'll only come when you trust wholly in the power of God. Trusting that his power, that the power of his love for you is greater than anything in this world, greater than anything else in this world. It's the power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's breakthrough power. 2 Corinthians 5.17 shows us, tells us, describes for us what this power can do. It says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Friends, God specializes in new beginnings. He wants to begin something new in you this year. He wants to begin something new in me. He wants to begin something new in, in, in River Bluff Church. The question that we all have to ask is, will we join him? Will you, will you make a fresh start? Will you, will you begin anew? Will you work to break through the bondage that you might be in because of blame? Will you invest time 
examining the resources that God has given you that still remain. They're still vast. Will you get up and get going in faith? Will you drop all that stinking thinking and ignite new thinking? And will you, will you walk away from doubt? Will you neutralize doubt in your life by trusting in the goodness of God and his power to give you breakthrough? God wants to do that this year as you, you wholly trust him. Will you do that? Let's pray together. Lord, we, we come in this moment We come to thank you, to bless your name. God, because your word has over and over again today as we've looked at it, shown us how you want to give us breakthrough. Your word compels us, your word draws us into that place with you. And so, Father, we come. We come in this moment saying to you, God, we do want to begin anew with you. We want something different in 2021. We want to see you, God. We want to experience your breakthrough power. We want our thought life to change so our actions change. God, we we want that. So we come. Maybe if you're in the sound of my voice as you're listening today, Maybe, maybe God is revealing to you that you don't know him personally. That you've never taken that first step to trust in his power to give you new life. You can do that right where you're at. You can just go to God and say, God, I want you to do a new thing in me. I want to put away my old life. I want to repent of that life. And God, I turn to you. Jesus, I call on your name. I'm calling out, I'm crying out to you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. The Bible says when you cry out to the Lord with a heart in repentance and a heart of trusting belief, he'll save you. He'll make you his own. He will give you new life today, life eternal. Many of us, what we need to do is what Hebrews compelled us to do that we thought of earlier. We just got to come back to him. We got we to choose strong faith. We need to make a faith declaration anew going into this new year. So God, we come. God, we come believing that you want to do a new thing. Jesus, we trust your word that tells us you want to make all things new. That's a coming promise from you. We want to start receiving it even now. So we come, God. We come bringing ourselves. We come choosing to do our part to begin anew with you this year. Thank you, God, for loving us so much, for having bigger dreams for our lives than we have for ourselves. Thank you. That's who you are. We love you. We give you thanks. We come to worship you now thanking you for the new thing you want to do. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.